Welcome to Money MD, where the money doctors are in the house. We're giving out prescriptions for better financial health and making smart decisions with your money. We give common sense solutions to your complex problems. And now, here are the doctors. Well, Ryan, welcome to the Money MD podcast. Yeah, it's good to be back. My second time on here. That's right. That's right. Steve's out of the office, and we got you filling in today. Glad to have you here. And some tragic news this week with uh, Tiger Woods. That was um, quite shocking. Yeah, it was. I'm glad to see that he survived, and it sounds pretty serious with two compound fractures, maybe a shattered ankle. Uh, so we'll have to see what his recovery is going to look like. Yeah, I'm not sure. You know, he had the back surgery recently. I'm not sure he was going to be playing in the Masters anyway. Obviously, that's that's off the, the docket. And, you know, this could be career-ending. I mean, I don't know how, you know, severe it is, but it sounded pretty pretty uh, complicated. Yeah, and good thing he was wearing a seatbelt. Really saved his life. Yeah. I was definitely driving slower to work today. Yeah, good. You're being the speed limit today, huh? Yep, absolutely. I've seen, I've seen you pass me on the uh, the road there a couple times. Well, you're going like 10 under, but you know. <laughs> you know, I'm trying to follow the speed limit, you know? So, uh, well, we've got a great, great show lined up today. We've got um, kind of looking into the future a little bit, Ryan. We're going to go out to 2030, and there's some predictions, um, just kind of like um, high-level predictions of what 2030 could look like. And Pretty interesting um, view on this. I haven't seen anything uh, quite like this in quite a while. So stick around for that. And I know we've got some good tax topics as well. Yeah, we're going to talk about, you know, when is it time to really hire a CPA or a tax pro or do it yourself? Yeah, but there's a lot of choices. And it is tax time. It is. It's getting close. Yeah, that's right. So, well, um, I'm uh, John Travis. Um, I have a, uh, a MBA in finance. I'm also a Dave Ramsey uh, certified counselor. And I've been helping corporations and individuals with planning for over 28 years. And I'm Ryan Borders. I'm one of the advisors here at Richard Young Associates, and I'm a certified financial planner. Yeah, we're glad to have you uh, listen to us today on our weekly show. We're uh, up every single week on Friday afternoons. So you can find us, uh, our show up on our website through moneymd.net or iTunes every Friday and listen to us everywhere in the world. Anywhere that you are, even even if you're, you know, on a golf course somewhere, not to say anybody's on a golf course at this point, but, you know, you <laughs> can right. listen to it. I doubt many people listen to us when they play golf. Yeah. Probably, probably a little distracting. A little but too you, distracting. Yeah, but you can also uh, yeah, check us out on the website, moneymd.net. You can, can link to us, ask us your questions. We have a Facebook page out there. I think, Ryan, you did the uh, the prescription of the week this week, so uh, go check out the Facebook page, and we're going to start off the show with the uh, financial fact of the week. Yeah, so check this out, John. This is really interesting. But So 522,000 Americans filed for bankruptcy in 2020, but get this, that's, 20, that's 30% down from 2019. Um, so the last in 2019, there were 752,000 that filed for bankruptcy. Uh, so pretty interesting numbers there. That's surprising. You would think, I mean, 2019 uh, economically was a fantastic year. I mean, everything was really humming mm -hmm. along. And then 2020 hit. You would have thought that would have been reversed. You, I mean, I would have thought 2020 would have had more bankruptcies than 2019, but it didn't turn out that way. I, I'm not sure the exact reason other than maybe the, the PPP loans. Uh, yeah. Probably helped, you Maybe know, the, some of the stimulus help, yeah, and the unemployment, but yeah, that's that's something else. Yeah, that's an interesting uh, financial fact of the week, and uh, we're gonna switch gears to the first topic, and that is the world in 2030, and so we're gonna look out into the next decade and kind of see. We're certainly not predicting what markets are gonna do, but just some general trends. 2030 is a long way off, but man, time flies, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. Hard to believe we're talking about 2030. I know. Just think of you're a teenager 10 years ago, right? Yeah, seriously. <laughs> You've come a long way, brother. 
So the first one here was is really interesting, and this is uh, this is an article from American Funds, and uh, the first um, kind of prediction, if you will, is that the COVID pandemic could be this generation's Pearl Harbor, and hmm. um, it, really interesting to think about it that way. But ten years from now, um, you know, are we going to look back at at COVID as this generation's Pearl Harbor moment? I mean, this a period where an extreme adversity spurs innovation and uh, certainly behavioral changes to help address some of the era's biggest problems. So if you go back to Pearl Harbor back in 1941, this is an amazing statistic. The U.S. artillery was 75% horse-drawn. That's just amazing. So three-quarters of our artillery depended on horses. But if you look to the end of the war, we had entered the atomic age. And so the incredible transformation sparked a period of of innovation and growth in the U.S. economy that lasted for for decades. So, uh, you know, certainly the pandemic changed the way we we live and do business. So it'll be interesting to look back 10 years from now and see what changes occurred from that. Yeah, absolutely. You know, COVID could be the trigger that spurs us to tackle critical issues over the next decade. You know, the cost of health care, education and housing. Um, you know, we've already seen um, an almost magically rapid developed COVID vaccine, you know, golly, less than a year, yeah, just out a year. Um, and we're doing things in our daily lives that we never imagined could happen so quickly. Um, in 2030, we may be living, working, studying, and playing radical in a radically new world, John. So, you know, our lives could be better, richer, healthier, cheaper, and profoundly more digital, which yep. that's happening very yes, quickly. No doubt. Um, so, you know, many technologies already exist, but, you know, it's rapidly moving. It's, it's, things are improving very quickly in this world. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's really is amazing. I mean, look at Zoom. All, I mean, Zoom is kind of like, a, um, it's just, it's kind of like the Xerox copier, <laughs> you know, it's, it's a name for doing things electronically now. So it certainly changed the way we do business. Yeah. And could you imagine having this pandemic even 10 years ago, how much easier it was to do work yeah. in this world? Oh, no doubt. No doubt. So a really interesting comparison there. The second thing uh, prediction is cash could be an endangered species. And so a decade from now, you know, digital payments probably will be more of the norm. Um, and people will give you odd looks if you try to pay with cash. Yeah. <laughs> Greenbacks. <laughs> Sorry, getting that way a little bit. And we've seen this uh, area in emer- emerging markets, really, the they're ahead of the uh, developing countries where many consumers in emerging markets, they had no bank accounts, but they did have mobile phones and they uh, adopted mobile payment technology very, very quickly. So the pandemic really accelerated the use of digital payments around the world, including places where it hadn't been previously uh, ingrained into daily life. So, you know, once the crisis is over, um, you know, people are probably going to be more comfortable using digital payments and uh, they probably won't need need like using cash um, because they, they've gotten used to it, basically. So yeah, cash, cash, maybe. I mean, Bitcoin's, you know, really kicking up. We'll see what that is in 10 years. Who knows? Yeah. But. I mean, I never carry cash on me, you know, compared yeah. to like my dad goes to the ATM every week. It's just yeah. things are changing. Yeah. Different generation, no doubt. So the third uh, kind of prediction here, and this is interesting, a cure for cancer may be around the corner. And, uh, you know, all of us, Ryan, at some point and some family members have been impacted with cancer. And it may be a, a cure may be closer than you think. In fact, some people believe that cancers will be functionally cured with something called cell therapy between now and 2030. And, uh, you know, there's uh, new reliable tests should be and uh, it should enable very early detection of cancer formation and location. And beyond that, um, cancer could largely be eradicated as a major cause of death through early diagnosis. And boy, I think everybody would cheer that. I know our our family uh, has lost someone to to breast cancer many years ago, and uh, there's, you know, billions of dollars pouring into that. Sounds like they're getting closer. 
Yeah, and you know, with the vastly reduced costs and scientific developments um, having contributed to this medical research, um, you know, we really could see a renaissance period in R&D and companies investing aggressively um, in unique ways to battle, you know, cancer. Um, one thing I've seen is with the mRNA vaccine, there's a lot of research that suggests they mm-hmm. can use that technology to fight cancer. Yeah, so we're that's really cool. seeing that um, help battle cancer. So that's something else. Yeah. And so, you know, healthcare, uh, the fourth one here is healthcare innovation re- reaches warp speed. And you kind of alluded to that a little bit with some of the things we've seen with the vaccine. But if you think about Star Trek, did you ever watch, do you even know what that is? I do. I do. <laughs> okay. They came a, out with some movies. So. Yeah, that's right. That's right. It's a classic sci-fi TV series. And if you remember, they had a um, tricorder. It was a, a handheld medical device and it scanned a person's vital signs, and it issued a diagnosis and prescribed treatment in minutes. And um, there's probably not going to be a tricorder per se, but many people think in 2030 um, there will be devices that will analyze blood, uh, do cardiology mm-hmm. monitoring, and even uh, remotely check your breathing while you sleep. And, and some of those are available today. I know they have sleep apps. Um, I, I don't have one. I probably need one. But um, some of that technology is starting to come out on the marketplace. Yeah, and I actually I use a sleep app that monitors my sleep um, every night, which it's Do really you? interesting. Yeah, so some nights hmm. I have better nights than other. It tells me when I'm in deep sleep, when I'm in light sleep. Probably when Clemson loses, you don't yeah, sleep well. No, yeah, don't sleep at all. Bad, <laughs> bad scores there. <laughs> and then I also, you know, obviously the Apple Watch now. You, it yeah. Does my blood oxygen level. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, my heart rate. Um, it's it's something else what it can detect. Um, but you know we're already experiencing a massive wave in innovation and disruption across you know healthcare sectors. Um, that has the potential to drive new opportunity for companies, reduce overall costs, and most importantly, improve outcomes for patients. So breakthroughs in diagnostics will help lead to earlier detection and illness, which can help make drugs more effective or, in most cases, treat the disease before it progresses. That's the trick with all of healthcare is getting to things early, and they're trying to figure out ways yeah. to do so. Yeah, that's that's exciting. And uh, the fifth one here on the list is renewable energies um, are, will power the world. And we see that shift towards renewable energy uh, today, and it's probably going to accelerate over the next decade. We're certainly in the uh, the early stages of transition to um, you know electrification of the grid and green energy, and uh, there's strong tail- tailwinds that could drive that through 2020 and beyond. So we see uh, automation and artificial intelligence. Um, they're setting the stage for a golden age in renewables, and they're pushing down the cost while boosting productivity. And, you know, we, we see, you know, the technology in cars with... Um, with batteries, you know, mm-hmm. the, the Tesla is, you know, kind of stands out there, but, uh, that leads us into number, number six here is electric and autonomous vehicles, uh, will hit the fast lane. And in 2030, there's predictions that there's going to be, you know, widely deployed, f- uh, fleets and, um, electric vehicles operating in most major and, uh, many secondary cities around the, around the world. So ownership of a personal vehicle, will go from you know being a necessity to being a luxury. And uh, many people still have vehicles, but like they do with uh, bicycles and so forth, but personal vehicles probably will no longer be necessary as a primary form of transportation for most people in major cities. And I know when you visit a major city today, you got Uber and Lyft, right? I mean, it's just so easy. They've The technology is really incredible. Yeah, you know people that live in New York, they don't, they don't know how to drive cars because Taxis yeah. and Ubers, that's all they use. So yeah. we might see that as the norm across the country and the world. Yeah, so really really interesting. I mean, no one knows the predictions here, but uh, I love the um, the, the pandemic um, to the Pearl Harbor mm-hmm. just as a major. I mean, it was a world event, uh, the pandemic was, and it's certainly changed our lives forever. 
some for the good, maybe some not not so good, but, um, you know, some things to be uh, hopeful for, particularly in the medical side as well. So that's a, that's a fun article to, to think about, and we're going to switch over to the, um, to the question of the week. Yeah, so the question of the week comes in this week at, uh, from, says, I have no debt and $80,000 coming in from pension and Social Security. How much do I need in my emergency fund uh, for retirement? Mm, good question. Yeah, it's a great question. So we kind of would start off, you know, rule of thumb is three to six months of expenses, um, but that might mean a little bit more um, with you having fixed income. You'd want to make sure you could cover um, if you were to lose um, any type of pension or something were to happen, you want to make sure you cover for emergencies. I don't know if you have anything to add. Yeah, I mean, three to six months. I mean, emergency funds are there, you know, if your income goes away or someone loses a job and so forth. So, I mean, three to six months is a is a good general rule of thumb. Um, anywhere in that, that range is going to gonna fit. Um, they didn't talk about the investment piece of this, but if you have investments on top of that, mm-hmm. just another pool to, to pull from. So, uh, you know, some people have two years of an emergency fund, and that's fine if that's what you're comfortable with. But, you know, like you said, three to six months is a good number. Yeah, a lot of it, like you said, it's based off comfort level for yes, some. Yes, absolutely. So. All right, we're going to switch to uh, the next topic, and that is should you hire a CPA or tax pro, or should you do it yourself? Yeah, John. And, you know, it's that time of year again, like we talked about, where we're all receiving our tax forms, mm-hmm. um, getting in the mail, and Really, it's, it's it's approaching. April 15th is coming fast. And, you know, you always hear kind of the debate um, if someone should hire somebody or if you should do it yourselves. We're seeing lots of ads. Um, and so, yeah, the you know, the answer to this really it just depends on your situation. So this article comes from the New York Times on if you should hire a tax pro or do it yourself. Yeah. And so, you know, the, first of all, let's be clear. I mean, you, you can do your own tax return. Um, sometimes there are more complicated tax returns, which we'll talk about, but some people just prefer to handle it on their own, no matter how complex the tax situation is. Uh, there's a lot of information out there that you can Google, but uh, just because you can do it doesn't mean you should. So a tax pro may be able to prepare your return in a fraction of the time. And, um, I, you know, that's for me, I, I use a tax pro and it's it's a time saver. Um, I, I love not having to sit there and, and grind through it. I used to do my taxes all the time, but I, I, I just I, the time piece of it now is just like, all right, let someone else do it. And also the pro might be able to uncover deductions and credits and other tax strategies that you aren't aware of that could significantly lower your tax bills. So so here's a reason, here are a couple of reasons why you, you can do it yourself. First of all, if it's really simple, uh, that may be a, a reason that you could you could you know take this task on and so if you just having if you just have W2s or a W2 from your employer maybe a 1099 from your bank um, that you're having to enter you know into the form your return's pretty simple so you know that that's that would be a situation that you could probably get TurboTax or tax cut mm-hmm. or tax layer and and do it yourself uh, I think you can still do it by hand but uh, I'm I'm not sure in the COVID days I I did have a client that said they turned in a their tax forms for 2019 and they still haven't got an answer on it. They sent it in. Hmm. Yeah, they sent in paper. So I, I, I'm not sure I'd do it by hand. I'd probably no. go get a, <laughs> a piece of software. But so if it's simple, that's a that's something that you could certainly do on your own. Yeah. And another reason is if you have the time. So what a lot of times with my clients is I tell them to go work with the pros because they just don't have the time. You yeah. work in a busy job. You have a family uh, you just can't get to it. And the average time it takes to do your taxes is about eight hours. And that's for more of a simple return. 
you know, people that um, own businesses, rental properties, things like that, you know, the average time is 21 hours. So it takes a lot of time to do your taxes. So even if you have the expertise or can handle it, maybe you just don't have the time. Yeah, that's a big piece. Um, and, you know, if you have a, a tax pro that does this, you know, hundreds every single year, they're going to be much more efficient than yourself. So so here's um, some situations when you should hire a tax professional. First of all, we just mentioned it. If you don't have the time to spend on the tax preparation, maybe your situation is complicated. Um, hiring a tax professional would be a, would be a good way to go. Um, and uh, exactly what makes a tax return complex. So here are a couple of scenarios that uh, making a prepare, you know, preparing your tax return a little bit tougher. The first one is, is that you're self-employed. So when you own a business, um, you don't have an employer withholding taxes from your paycheck each month. You're also you're responsible for tracking the income coming in and uh, deductible expenses going out. So um, you also have to make estimated tax payments every quarter. So there's a lot of steps involved when you're self-employed. And if you don't have a good understanding of estimated taxes, um, depreciation, you know what is deductible, inventory, you need to hire someone that can probably not only do your taxes but also do your your uh, P&L, profit and loss, and monthly statements and payroll, outsource that to a professional when you start getting into some of the complicated things that we're talking about here. Yeah, and another reason you might want to hire a professional is you've had a big life event. Maybe you got married or divorced, had a child, uh, moving out of state, you're selling your home, things like that. Maybe grandma left you a big inheritance. Well, these events can really affect your filing status or the number uh, or types of deductions and credits you can claim. And so you want to work with someone that understands those situations and can help you with your taxes. Yeah. And then you got rental property as well. Yeah, absolutely. Rental property definitely is something that you want to look at. Yeah, because with that, you know, there's a lot of different rules on depreciation of rental property, you know, claiming losses. You really want to make sure you're talking to somebody that understands that to make sure you're getting the most um, out of your taxes. Yeah. Another reason to hire a tax pro would be um, if you have a foreign bank account, investments or income, and this probably is not many people (laughs) out there, but foreign bank accounts and investments can trigger tax filing requirements, even if you don't earn any income from the account. Plus, there's the penalties are, are stiff, so they're up to sixty thousand dollars plus potential criminal penalties for failing to disclose <laughs> and file. Go get you a tax pro if you're if you have foreign foreign accounts or in, uh, investments, um, and if you also if you have a financial interest in a foreign financial account uh, or maybe you're an authorized signer on a foreign account, um, then it's a good idea to get a tax professional who has uh, expertise in handling these situations. And I know I've had clients that um, work for multinational corporations and they'll go over and spend time in in, uh, London or different parts of the world. And part of their um, services they provide to the employees is they actually have a a firm, a CPA firm that does the taxes for those folks that are um, traveling abroad for, you know, 18 to 24 months. So Definitely, if you have any kind of foreign um, exposure to any kind of income or investment, go go get a pro. Absolutely. You don't want to make a mistake there. No. <laughs> um, another reason is if you made a mistake on prior year's returns or if you're being audited, uh, maybe it's a simple mistake that you can fix on Form 1040X. Um, if you're you know comfortable making that amendment and sending it and refiling, um, you know that's okay. But sometimes mistakes are a little more serious, or maybe you're being audited by the IRS. You want to work with a tax pro who understands how the auditing process works. Um, so even if the IRS makes a mistake, um, your tax pro will confirm whether the IRS assessment is correct, um, helps you respond appropriately, just to make sure you are covered and don't get in any trouble. 
Yeah. So an, another reason why you may want to do this on your own is you potentially could save money. And we, we highlight that word potentially because, um, you know, hiring a tax professional, um, they can they can actually save you money. It, it, it's it's going to be more expensive than going out and getting, uh, you know, tax slayer or, or turbo tax. But, you know, you can drop those numbers into a software. But if you get a qualified tax professional, you know, they can analyze your situation. They can look for tax planning opportunities. They can help you plan for next year, doing Roth conversions, estimated tax payments. They can keep you out of trouble, basically. And then they also are, are um, can help you if you do have any issues with the IRS. You've got a person on your team to help to um, justify what was done on the tax return. So saving money is is a piece of the puzzle, but uh, you know the tax professionals we work with add a tremendous amount of value. That's exactly right. So, you know, if if your situation is more complicated, working with a professional who has intimate knowledge of the tax code could result in some serious savings. Yep. Yeah. So uh, how do you hire a tax professional? Um, First of all, you can ask for referrals. I mean, um, you know, you can you can talk to your bank or financial advisor, maybe your insurance agent. Um, She said um, uh, this person, Cosette White, um, has a financial consulting business, said that basically referrals usually mean the accountant has a good reputation. Um, so maybe get the names of two or three tax pros um, from folks, and then you can narrow down the list by checking credentials and interviewing the candidates. And I know that you know we give referrals out frequently um, yeah. to to CPAs in this area that we feel comfortable with and vetted as well. So um, you know if you need some help, certainly reach out to us, and we can give you their contact info. Absolutely. Yeah. The other thing you want to do is check credentials, just like with if you're working with financial advisors or any other professionals. You want to make sure they have the credentials. So it can be pretty easy to set up shop as a paid tax preparer. You really just need a prepared tax identification number. Um, so you want to at least check on that and make sure they're you know good with the IRS. But the other thing you might want to look at is are they a CPA or an enrolled agent? Um, you know have a little bit more education in taxes so they can help you uh, look for the right deductions and credits. Um, so you want to look through that. Uh, maybe you need to work with an attorney who specializes in tax preparation if you have a very um, complex tax situation. So you just want to make sure you do some research, check the credentials of the person you're looking into to do your taxes. Yeah, I would say just in general, if you, you know, the reason to do this yourself is, you know, there are some, there, as Dave Ramsey calls them, nerds out there like numbers <laughs> and so forth. I used to do you do my own taxes and TurboTax. I like to enter all that. I got to a point in my life that <clears throat> I enjoyed my time more than entering the numbers. And so I, I hired a, a CPA and a tax professional. It's worked out very well. If you have a complicated situation, you can certainly use TurboTax and TaxLayer and those those software products out there. But having a person that you can ask questions to, again, they can help you do Roth conversions and estimated tax payments and, and keep you out of the gutter with the IRS. Yeah, and I'm actually one of those nerds. I still use TurboTax. Do you? But okay. one thing I do is they actually let you talk to CPAs on TurboTax. Ah, so that's okay. kind of cool. I did have a couple of situations last year come up where I had to yeah. ask some questions and get some clarification, and, and they helped me. So yeah. it was really good. Good, good, good. Yeah, no, that's uh, they they the, the TurboTax and, and uh, TaxLayer. TaxLayer is local. That's, that's pretty yeah. cool. And actually, uh, TaxLayer, I don't know if you saw this or not, but has partnered with uh, the Ramsey organization. Yeah, I did see that. Yeah, I was looking. Dave is uh, recommending, um, you know, he also has CPAs that he works with from uh, endorsed local providers, but he has a software company. I was looking, I'm like, did they create their own software? 
No, they 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 partnered with TaxLayer. So um, that's, that's pretty cool. Local local firm. Yeah, there. really is. They've done done fantastic. So um, so that's the last uh, topic. But we're gonna close out here with the prescription of the week. Yeah. So the prescription of the week this week is diversification alleviates the need to try to predict the next hot stock or sector which really you can't predict anyways. So studies suggest that people can't really pick the, what sectors of the markets are going to perform the best every year. It's very hard to do that. It's hard to pick what, what are the top stocks every year. Mm-hmm. It's very stressful with investing. So the main thing is to be diversified, own numerous pieces of the market, to make sure you're getting taking advantage of all those sectors. Yeah, if you look at the results, um, so we work with um, Dimensional Fund Advisors, and they have some pretty cool data historically. And um, I think the, the the stat is over 20 years, there's less than 20% of the mutual fund managers that actually beat their index. Wow. So, you know, the, the chances of you beating the index over time individually are very, very low. You have professional managers that are that are managing billions of dollars that can't do it. So for someone to think they can go out and pick the next, you know, uh, sector or stock, it just doesn't work long term. You can hit it big. There's no doubt. Um, but when you start doing individual stocks, it's it's like gambling. I mean, you can hit it big with a you know Tesla or a Bitcoin, but you can also lose big as well. So, you know, the the better strategy that we always um, you know advocate is diversification. Diversification basically takes out the need to predict because you own a lot of different sectors, and historically, it's worked very well. Obviously, past performance doesn't guarantee future results. But diversification, um, you know, if you if you look at what Dave Ramsey talks about, it uh, it is a great way to invest. Exactly right. Well, listen, this has been the uh, this week's edition of MoneyMD. Um, so tune in next week on MoneyMD.net to hear more prescriptions for your financial health. And check out our website, MoneyMD.net. Send us your questions and give us a call at Richard Young Associates at 706-739-0725. Thanks for listening and hope you have a great rest of the week. This program contains general information only and should not be taken as specific investment, tax, or legal advice. This broadcast is not a solicitation for the purchase or sale of any security. SmartVestor Pro is not connected to investment returns. Further information is available by contacting Richard Young Associates, a registered investment advisor. 